This week on The Big Show, we will meet the DC Filmmaker of the Month, Sharnice Fox, and find out what's next for this local auteur. In addition, one of Hollywood's premier boutique film studios, Annapurna, is undergoing a major shakeup, and filmmakers are getting nervous. We'll look at their upcoming slate and find out where, if there's smoke, is there really fire? Moreover, we'll have entertainment news and reviews of the latest films, including 22 July, First Man, and Bad Times at the El Royale, all on the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. Welcome to the latest edition of The Big Show, keeping it real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon, and we have a big, big show. I know we say that every week, but you know, all these shows to me are big. You only get one opportunity a week to shine, and I look forward to coming in here and sharing entertainment news with you. Coming up a little later on in the show, we have reviews of not one, not two, but three films this week, including Bad Times at the El Royale, 22 July, the latest film from Netflix that just premiered this week, and as well as the uh, space biopic on Neil Armstrong called First Man. So you want to stick around and listen to those reviews a little later on the show. Also, we're going to cre- we've created a new segment, and today we're, we're going to introduce the first DC filmmaker of the month. Her name is Sharnice Fox. You want to stick around, so we will meet her coming up a little later on in the show. Wilson Morales generally joins us for entertainment news, but we are in award season right now, and that brother's working hard. So we went to our deep bench here on the show, and show correspondent Charles Kirkland. Well, not necessarily fill in because Wilson's got big shoes. But, you know, what we will do is we'll make sure we have Charles come on uh, momentarily. Uh, And before we get to that, um, I just want to open the show by saying last night, uh, my colleague Nell Minow and I, along with two-time Oscar winner Russell Williams, who has not debuted here on DC Radio, but he has been on the show a couple of times, uh, we were all hanging out last night uh, at the wonderful Ritz-Carlton in Georgetown. Nice, nice event last night. Dinner with Paul Greengrass as he uh, sat on a panel along with uh, former uh, director of the, of the CIA and NSA, Michael Hayden, four-star General Hayden, uh, and a couple of other panelists. Um, cool event last night. Uh, had a lot of fun. Had the chance to... To hang out with Mr. Greengrass again, talk to him about his latest film as well as the Bourne series and some of the other things he's, did, he's done, United 93. So a really cool night. I was glad to be in the mix last night. That was actually a lot of fun. Um, and, and without any further ado to, to talk about why he wasn't in the building last night, Charles Kirkland, welcome to the show. Uh, th- well, thank you for having me again, <laughs> sir. And, uh... <laughs> what happened to you last night, um, man? Somehow my invitation must have gotten lost in the email or something. You know, I know you had a plus one, but you, and you probably used it with someone else other than me because did not, you man, did not. 
Man, called me. The last two things that I've done, I did the premiere last week for First Man at the Air and Space Museum. Um, you know, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna be real honest. And uh, Jessica Sturges is our producer on the other side of the booth. I'm just gonna be real honest. You took Jessica, didn't you? No. Um, I did not because nine times out of ten, all year long, being the president of the Film Critic Association, there's really no utility for that. There's no benefit. They don't really care. When we get to this time of year, they really care. They want you there. So I'm like, yeah, of course we will do that interview. Yes, we will show up at this election. <laughs> <laughs> so and no, uh, Charles Kirkland can't come. Man, no. Last night it was funny. No, because, you know it uh, was because I'm I'm usually in church on Wednesday well, nights. So they had, you, they had you, a, just, you, you you thought of me and well, the Lord. They had a lot of DC insiders <laughs> last night at this event, man. So there was a lot of people I did not recognize, but you know, open bar. You know, three course meal, you know, uh, pictures with the general. Yeah, just and, keep on rubbing it in. I'm, hey, I'm enjoying every minute hey, of this. Hey, look, look. Every hey. minute. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, let's get to entertainment news, man. All right, all right. I, I'm not, I'm not going to keep telling you about all the cool stuff I'm doing, man. All right? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I believe that. All right, so this week in entertainment, and of course, uh, we talk about Wilson Morales normally does this feature for us, but he is... Uh, Occupied today, but we will use blackfilm.com's news, so this is great. <laughs> uh, okay, Charles, first story up today is uh, VH1's Hit the Floor actress Taylor Page has been cast as the lead in the uh, A24 film, the stripper film they're making called Zola. Um, what's it got? Coleman Domingo, uh, Riley Keough, and Janizaka uh, Bravo mm. from Lemon. Uh, well, she's going to actually direct it. Uh, so, I mean, there's a couple of stripper films coming out because you talked about the other one that Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez, Lopez and Constance uh, Wu. Uh, what's it Hustlers called? Hustlers at Scores. Hustlers at Scores. So we now got a couple of stripper movies in development. Yay. We haven't had a really good stripper movie <laughs> uh, since Striptease. I don't even know if Striptease yeah, was a good know, one. Right. I mean, it was a stripper movie. Yeah. Nobody got anything on the stripper movies. Mm. Jessica, Jessica's got nothing on the stripper Magic movies. Magic Mike. I can't hear her. Magic she, Mike. Magic Mike. Uh, yeah. Magic, Magic Mike. Mike. One and two. I mean, those are stripper okay. movies. So, All right, I so mean, it might, might not have been along, you know, what we want to see. But yeah, I mean, basically. You know, it was. Look, basically. <laughs> so. Jessica's uh, nodding. Jessica's yeah. nodding, yeah. All right, so. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so uh, the film is called Zola, which will be one of two films that end development. So I just thought you guys needed to know that just in case somewhere down the line you go, oh, that's the, the, the stripper movie that Tim was talking about. Mm -hmm, yes, that mm -hmm. one. Yeah. All right. Now, the other news this week is HBO has a new drama series that's dropping called Lovecraft. Uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, excuse me. And Michael K. Williams, Journey Smollett, um, Jonathan Majors. And this looks like, if I'm correct, are you looking at what I'm looking at right here? Doesn't it look like uh, Erica Ash from uh, it does. It does. Survivor's Remorse? Okay. Right. So those four are all in this project. So we look forward to that. 
uh, coming up. So Lovecraft. <laughs> no, I mean, HBO has a really uh, decent track record as it relates to original series. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Okay. Now, also this week in entertainment news, Issa Rae to star and director Stella Mayhew's new comedy, American Princess. Now, Stella, I, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, if it's Meghi or Mayhew, but she did a film called Keeping Up with the Joneses that was fantastic. We mm, showed it as yeah, a part of my yeah. Uptown Saturday Night series. One of the funniest films that we've shown, like in the three years of that series. So. Uh, this story that these two are combined or working on centers on an American woman played by Issa Rae who moves to London where she's drawn into a world of wealth and high society and falls in love in a very unexpected way. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Issa Rae. Now, the script is written by Amy Anniabo, B, excuse me, who worked with Rae on Insecure as a writer and co-executive producer. My apologies for butchering your name because I realized that your name was not pronounced that way. Well, Stella Maggie's got a pretty good career. Is it Maggie? Maggie, yeah. Did I call it Maggie? Maggie. Maggie. Okay. I'm just saying what I think it should be. I'm not sure if that's the way it's pronounced either. But she did everything, everything (laughs) with uh, Amanda Stenberg's movie as well. So you know, she's got a pretty good uh, pedigree. She's pretty good. So uh, she's on. She's on a come up. And this array just came out of uh, Manly Stenberg's movie, The Hate You Give. So, oh my God. you know, we got a little connection there. We'll see how that goes. She is we'll so, so talented, man. I just watched The Darkest Minds a couple of days ago. Not uh, not her strongest effort. No. Not, <laughs> not, not, it's not, not her strongest you, it's effort not at all. Give. It's it, well, not it even, was The Hate You Give, but, <laughs> but not, not, not in the well. way it intended. Right. No, I'm saying she was giving off hate. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, wow! It's not even where hands take, touch, take a look but that's coming out. Take a look in there and watch this woman eat, man. Wow. Anyway, uh, continuing with entertainment news. Can't believe that. <laughs> continuing with entertainment news. Uh, Atlanta's Brian Tyree Henry, better known as Paperboy, yeah. is signed on the co-star with Millie Bobby Brown in Godzilla vs. King Kong. Which is the, you know, they do these, you know, they got Godzilla, the King of Monsters coming out next mm-hmm. year, and this whole universe that they created. So, you know, that's pretty exciting news, I think, for those of us in, in into that kind of stuff. To see uh I'm 11, not, You know how I just left it there where you said to, and those who were into that kind of stuff. And I was like... <laughs> he looked at me like, I am definitely not one. <laughs> but, you know, Eleven from Stranger Things is going to now join the, the Godzilla universe. And so we'll see how that goes. It's kind of exciting to see... Because the, the bad thing is, you know, anytime you put a black man in one of these films, he ends up dying. So we'll see what, how, if Ty, Bar, Brian can make it through the end. I wish we had cameras rolling here so that people could look at my face when you explain it. There's something like... <laughs> wake up. Wake up. Right, right. Wake up. Some right. of us like this stuff, man. Some of all us right. like this. Okay, so we got a couple of minutes left, man. I think we've gone through all the entertainment news <laughs> this week. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else of note. Oh, by the way, um, I caught up on a bunch of films that I actually missed that I did not screen at uh, the other writers at the film Gordon had a chance to see earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So The Darkest Minds, excuse me, was one of them. Um, I also had a chance to watch Overboard this week and finally saw Sicario, The Day of the Soledad. Oh. Soledado. Finally got to see that. Yeah. um, Were, Were you impressed? 
Um, I understand they're making a third uh, of third film, so the right, trilogy. Right. You know what it reminded me of? It was like watching Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, which was the glue movie that was in between the sensational the uh, first, you know, the yeah. first one, which was uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and the absolutely fantastic. Return of the King. Right. So that second one is kind of what I call the glue movie. That's a name I came up with for like bad bad movies of a, of a trilogy. Like the bad movie that connects the first and the third. True, true. So that's what Sicario, Day of the Soldado reminded me of. I was like, this is like the bad movie that's holding together the, the, the great finale and the great first one. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing about it is that for each one of these movies, they, they wanted to have a different feel. So they're going, intentionally having different directors to do it differently for each film. So the reason why the first one and the second one are, are so different is because, <laughs> oh my gosh, is because uh, they, of a new director and a new direction. So they, mm. they want it to be a chapter each uh, episode is like a different chapter in the story. So um, I got a minute to go. So what I'll answer by saying is that Francis Ford Coppola created some chapters back in the 1970s. Uh, the first chapter was great. Right. First chapter was an A. The second chapter was an A+. A plus. plus. The third chapter ends up being a B minus, but it's a B minus because they rushed a, a genius and wouldn't let him fully realize his story. And we're talking about The Godfather, which to me is, is the most revered the most revered franchise in, in motion picture. I mean, when I say, let me rephrase that, not most revered franchise, most revered trilogy. Correct. Because franchise, you know, James Bond's been around for 50 years. But we're going to talk a little bit about that in our next segment. So, Good Charles, segue. first of all, thank you for uh, this first segment because when we come back I'm going to really be leaning on you for this Anna Perner story because <laughs> man <All laughs> right. and, I will, and I will share my recollections of my one time meeting Meg Ellison um, yes you guys keep it where you got it it is of course keeping it real with Film Gordon because it's what I do you guys are listening to us at 96.3 HD4 and we'll be right back Players, I don't love the game, I'm the shot clock, way above the game to be point blank with you mother bump the game. I got all this work on me, I ain't come for play. You can show the little shorties how you bump and fake, but dog, not the death, I'm not impressed, I'm not amused, I'm not confused, I'm not the dude. Grown man business, I am not in school. Put your hand down, young and this is not for you. Oh, oh. All my J.O. with beats, Buck Hon, yeah, yo. My name off the market, your name off the payroll. South fresh like I'm still a day old. And it's been like that since the day, yo. I'm on time with a rolly, your shake, Step on deck, yeah, and that do what I say so. Get up or get out, get down, I lay low. You're standing in the shadow of a fabulous man. All right, and welcome back to the show. Our next guest is award-winning producer, screenwriter, playwright, published poet, children's story author, director of film and theater. Wait a minute. We got more. <laughs> the goddaughter of the legendary Gil Scott Heron. See, now that's where I messed oh, up wow. at because we could have been rocking Gil's music oh, all day today. We could have yeah. had the revolution. Never mind. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, she's also known for her documentary, The MLK Streets Project, which aired on Inspire TV, mm -hmm. 
we like to welcome the inaugural, <laughs> the inaugural recipient of Filmmaker of the Month here, Miss Sharnice Fox. Hey, how are you? Lady Fox, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, you good. So, okay. So, let's talk a little bit about your career because I went through your bio and I was like. Yeah, somebody else wrote that. Who, who wrote this bio? <laughs> I don't know. Man, some, this bio some, is it's busy, like, man. It's a lot. It's a okay, whole lot. Okay, well, cool. Yeah. So, so, basically, uh, as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. we talked about the, the film that, I guess, the MLK Streets Project yeah. is the one that. Actually, uh, no. And it's that it should be in my bio, but it what? actually isn't. So, started all of this because in 2005 I, uh, with a group of uh, writers th- from D.C. that I'm real cool with mm-hmm. I uh, we had this silly idea to uh, do the 48 hour film project and we did it and mm-hmm. we had such a good time that we went on to write Multitude of Mercies for the Wrap It Up competition and won. We wrote it in like a week nice, and uh, won and so ended up right over here at BET when they were here, got like some money, made a movie uh, aired on BET, is international rights and be like it was a whole thing that we just were like messing around in the kitchen one day and so that's how I got started and nice. from there I went on to do the MLK Streets Project and another documentary called Away With Words and um yeah, but it all started because of the Wrap It Up competition. So now, wait a minute. The, the 48-hour film project you're talking about, they mm-hmm. said it reached over 200 students in D.C. Well, yeah. So, so of course, because when you when you do this work, everything is connected if you're if you're fortunate enough and you're able to, like, maintain the relationships. So fast forward to 2016, I, oh, I'm sorry, 2013, I just had my daughter. I was working at home, and 48 was looking for a sponsorship coordinator, mm-hmm. and you could work from home. And I was like, ooh movies money what's up so I applied and um, I applied for the job (laughs) I applied for the job and Mark Rupert who is the founder of the 48 hour film project hired me and um, because I'd always worked with young people and always taught film and taught like script writing and things of that nature I pitched to him the 48 hour film project for high school which he'd always thought about doing but hadn't actually done and so came to the film office actually and they partnered with us and the office of planning and so we were able to do uh, the only ever high school 48 hour film project like 200 students participated 13 high schools around the city Um, they screened at the Lincoln Theater so yeah so where I started my career at the regular 48 in 2005 just messing around like 10, 11 years later, I was able to, to work with young people doing what I'd done, teaching awesome. them how to make a movie. All right, we're in studio here with Sharnice Fox, uh, our filmmaker of the month, which is actually cool to say. Because, like, <laughs> what happens? Cool. Like, what, what happens next month? Like, you get another one. I mean, we do get another <laughs> one, but, like, what happens to the legacy of the one from. The, oh, never mind. We'll, we'll have to talk about that. So. One of the things that I want to talk about, because when I was reading through your bio, bio mm-hmm. and it jumped out at me, because I'm, of course, movies, so everything on here is movies, but mm-hmm. lover of food? Yeah, and a lot of my movies have things to do with food. So, like, I just finished shooting my first narrative feature mm-hmm. film. Uh, we are in post-production. My editor is literally right now with the colors so that I could do these things today. Right. Um, it is about a vegan chef. So, yeah, I just, I like food vegan chef though right yeah yeah it's it, there's a whole play on bacon in the movie it's funny Word. it's like a little line that goes through but, 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 yeah. but, but what about us non-vegan people hey, that the movie talks about that a lot actually oh, okay. <laughs> it All talks right. about fried chicken and everything but, and yeah. what is this film called it is called love.com the social experiment mm. 
All right, so I, I think we got somebody on the come up here. Oh, so, so. <laughs> so, so here's the question: as yeah. you as you kind of navigate this space, right, and mm-hmm. you're making films, you know, everybody always tells you, you know, well, you need to be in New York, you mm-hmm. need to be in L.A. Mm-hmm. Are you going to try mm-hmm. to work with a group of people here and try to build a film? That's kind the of goal. A community here, yeah, that's the goal. I mean, you know, I think that people write what they know. And it becomes more authentic when you do that. So I definitely come into this a little different um, because I am a writer first. Like I'm currently in my MFA program at Leslie University. Like I write scripts all day, every day. That's what I do. Um, And I know D.C., so I've just made a very conscious effort of making D.C. the backdrop of whatever I write. It's just, you know, I'm from here. I'm also from West Virginia. I'm a hybrid. But like I my existence on the planet has been very much rooted here. And so why would I write a movie about and why would I move to New York when you know currently the only reason why New York and LA is such a a pocket for you to move to is because that's where the hub was when you were like shooting on film I can go to Best Buy and make a movie you know what I'm saying and it may not be the depending on the vision it would be it could be the best movie ever so the accessibility of being able to create film now and because it's different than it was you know 20 years ago right. that I don't feel like I have to move to New York and I don't like I don't want to I mean I go there but I don't want right. to live there so now I'm gonna be honest and transparent okay everything you just said mm-hmm. I heard it mm-hmm. you said West Virginia and then it went wah 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 <laughs> yeah you, you you got way too much attitude to be West Virginia through and through born Born in West Virginia. Born in Beckley, West Virginia at Raleigh General Hospital to Charlotte and John. You got nothing on this, Charles? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Because <laughs> I was born and raised right here in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And I've been to West Virginia maybe once or twice in my life. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm here. I think being from there <laughs> informed, it, it gives me... It, I actually was having this conversation the other day because I'm always talking. I'm heavily. I love politics, um, but I was raised here too. Like I went to Janney Elementary School. Like I am a wonderful hybrid of a small town and a city because my parents split, and then I was back and forth all the time. Wow. And I appreciate that because the thing about living in the DMV is that Black folks have ex- access to seeing people who look like them in positions of power that are that is right. not a real thing anywhere else in the country. Absolutely. And so I know what it's like to be the only black person in the room, but I also know how to be with my folks. And I'm comfortable moving either way, so I'm actually thankful for that experience because mm. it informs like how I'm able to just move in the world. Like I'm not afraid of being anywhere to be honest with you because I've been called all types of names and been super uncomfortable being the only black girl but then I also know that this is a real thing too this sense of community and being around people who look like you and the police officer looks like you and the judge and because that's a real thing here and that's not true for the whole country it's just all not right. it is yeah. alright so we're talking about your film yeah. well, I felt like I was hollow there. I didn't sound good at all <laughs> no, um, we talking about your films and we talking about your food mm-hmm but children's books too? Yeah, can and you, actually, can you? Are you trying to get all the money? No, the, I just the master of all media. Right, 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 right. It's, right. it's the storytelling that that I like, you know. And so, um, and I'm inspired by. I literally, I'm one of those people as a writer that I, I sit around, I listen to people, I take notes. There's a whole like I take people say stuff, and I'll be listening, and they think I'm sex, and I just wrote down what you said because I can use that <laughs> as dialogue later. I'm that person, and so the children's not story. You know, I have sons, and I was reading all these books to. Them. And one day my son said something really funny and I wrote it down. And it, he said that if he took yeast and ate it, would it make him grow like the bread we just made? That's hilarious yeah. for a seven-year-old because wow. no, but funny, <laughs> right? 
wrote it down, didn't think of anything about it. Years later, I was messing around, um, just just trying to jog up some ideas and wrote the story. And um, a publisher picked it up last month, so it it comes out. But cool. I not um, on purpose, just are writing. we referring to the bread monster? The bread monster, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So now, what is? Uh, oh, the series is called Taste, Taste Buddies. Buddies. Yeah, so the next one that comes oh out is Potato God. Head. Uh, oh, yeah, but it is, it's Genius. really cool because it messes around with its science, its reading, its literacy, its uh, you know personal development and accepting who you are, you know where you are. So it does all of those things, and then at the end there's original recipes. And I named the, the kids in the book after my children, so they participate in the whole thing. Like my son is 16 now, but in the book he's like this little it's this little chocolate <laughs> thing. It's super cute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm glad Did you, you said say 16? I have an 18 year old too. Oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we, we always hear we always hear the phrase black don't crack. Um, <laughs> it, it's so funny, man, because I've gotten so uncomfortable as a black man. You know, women go, well, how do you think I am? Man, I have no idea. Lady, you could be 70 for all I know. Who knows? No, no. Black I have women no. do not age, man. I'm so, I yeah. swear. Yeah, no, Is this the vegan diet? No, because I'm no longer vegan. Um, when I was yes. I'm a, I'm a five. <laughs> probably 80% plant-based still though because I have a five-year-old daughter and she's completely vegan yeah. um so I'm still I'm still plant-based but I will eat a steak like whatever um <laughs> so uh no I I get that a lot I'm 41 um I love walking in the room with my sons Jeez. because he is 6'4 and people are like he's like mom and I'm like yeah and they're like huh <laughs> it's great it's wow. great yeah yeah. All right, so we are in studio <laughs> with Shawnee's Fox, uh, who is our inaugural. I keep like saying, as a matter of fact, we can never take that away from you. You will always be the first. Mm -hmm. You'll be the Neil Armstrong <laughs> of, of, <laughs> of the month. You do know Neil Armstrong is, right? Okay, cool. Okay, just checking. Just checking. <laughs> first, first man's coming out this All right, week. so... We've had you, we've identified since 2005. You worked with a group of people, mm -hmm. and you've decided you want to write. So mm -hmm. you are now working on your on your feature debut, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So are you going to put this feature in festivals? Are you thinking about trying to look for distribution? Are you going to do an Oscar Michelle, put it on your back, and take it from city to city? <laughs> like, what's the plan? Um, I. There, are, all of those options are on the table currently. I mean, I, I don't. I, I put MLK Streets on my back, so I'm not interested in that mm, at this point. Yeah. yeah, I did a couple of festivals, and um, but I don't. I don't want to do that. Um, I you was don't fortunate. Want a festival be, anymore? No, no, I do want to do the festivals. I don't right. want to be the person like trying to get it into high schools or you know rent a theater. Right. Like I know how to guerrilla something to make it work, right? Um, because I've been doing this a very long time. But this go around because I have an executive producer. He literally is in L. A. right now having meetings. So there's a couple of options on the table as far as uh, what the distribution and festival circuit looks like. I will. I'm gonna submit to three festivals this month. Um, but you know, it's kind of it's a it's a catch twenty two because if I get the distribution that they're seeking, then I can't do the festivals. Mm, right. So I gotta. But so he wants me to apply to the festivals. But at the end of the day, because he. This smells. Um, this smells like Netflix. <laughs> so too I can't yeah. say. Yeah. I can't say because that that would but... be the only situation that I mean. It's mean, not actually look, look, no. Look. It's really, no. I mean, it's not that Man. it's not Netflix, but it's not. Um, <laughs> so it's streaming not service. The only. It's not the Wait, hold only. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. There are other options. Is There's a theatrical release uh, option there as well. So I they we just had a meeting about it. And 
I don't know because I'm not there. Who star? Is there any is there anybody we know starring mm-hmm. in this? Yeah, but you can't tell me. I can. You can. Yeah, you can watch the trailer. I'll send you the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. Tobias Trevelyan from Empire is okay. in it. He's also yeah. in Contempt on BT right now. Okay. He's the leading man. Brave Williams uh, is the leading woman who she's a singer and she was on Rich Girls. Uh, but the people that you would know 100 percent because they're still you know starting at their career from the acting standpoint mm-hmm. um, is Kim Whitley. Oh, nice. Okay. She makes like a her. cameo. Lisa Ray oh. McCoy oh. makes a cameo. Is, is she wearing white in the movie? No, no. She, and on purpose, she won't do that. That's oh, just her God. thing, like in real life. We talked about that. And then, <laughs> and then um, Christopher Williams from uh, uh, New Jack City. <laughs> okay. Funny, <laughs> funny story. Funny. But he actually, to, to be honest with you, he was so good. Like his little cameo, like he's Greg's dad in the in the movie. He, he did a really good job. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna have to talk to you about that offline. <laughs> I'm not gonna embarrass you now, Christopher Williams, huh? Yeah. Don't uh-huh. wake me. I'm dreaming. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny is Westfield. Raheem Devon is in it from DC. Nice. Raheem nice. has a cameo, nice. and he's actually one of the executive producers on the soundtrack. Um, mm. and so we have three songs: a remake of the Go Go song version of "Guess Who Loves You More" is in the, on the soundtrack, an opening nice. song in the film. Cool. DJ Flex PGC did a whole cameo, right, and right, it's right. a flex like kind of introduces the whole concept in the commercial or whatever so all of those things and those elements are in the film um but yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely people you know, which has All been right. really interesting. <laughs> All right, so we got thirty seconds left, mm-hmm. and I need to get you to say this on camera. Okay, that you will always come through here whenever you have films. <laughs> Do not be taking your stuff cross town someplace. You need to come up in here. I will uh, listen. This has been the film office and the DC. This this particular office for real has been so welcoming and has always supported like my work. Like I can't right. get you know from having to get the licensing and being last minute and nobody yelling at me and just doing it like so I will always come through this is one of my favorite places I'm thankful that it's here for sure alright all right. uh, Charnese Fox it has been a pleasure yeah, thank are you, you so cold? much? no 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 not at all That's I'm hungry I need some food oh yeah well we can't help you with that I mean <laughs> <laughs> but sister thank you thank, thank you for coming you. through and I look forward to, but seriously do not, let, do not let this be the last time you come through here no not at all definitely I'm and, definitely down and the film is dropping when so they're trying to set it for release uh, Valentine's Day because oh, nice. love.com cool. um, so yeah so February 14th so we'll is see the goal. you about a week before Valentine's about Day about a week before Valentine's Day <laughs> sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um, they're screener copies I'm gonna do a private screening here in DC right. uh, probably in the next three weeks and right. there's actually a private screening at the Peachtree International Film Festival on Saturday because they're gonna honor Monty Ross who started 40 Acres and a oh. Mule with Spike Lee who's one of my producers Monty's producing. Monty's right. my producer. I know Monty. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. So, so, yeah, he'll be in Atlanta. I don't know if I'm going yet or not, but he'll be in Atlanta um, showing the movie Saturday. All right, yeah. All right sister. Cool. Oh, I'm saying by take, like we're on the phone. Hold on a second. We're going to take a break right now. I got way too comfortable there. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back on the other side. And we're going to start talking about the, the problems at Annapurna Studios. Uh, you guys keep it where you got it. You're listening to the big show. Keeping it real with Film Gordon here at 96.3 HD4. Hey, hey, I am your lovely Misty Stone, and you are listening to The Big Show. Keeping it real with Film Gordon, baby. Buckle, 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 buckle. <laughs> you know the devil? This is me, dog. Beast by Supremo for all of my people, Negroes and Latinos, and even the gringos. 
y'all. Check it, one for Charlie Hustle, two for Steady Rock, three for the four coming live, future shock. It's five dimensions, six senses, seven from a mess of heaven to hell, eight million stories to tell. Welcome back to The Ride, The Big Show, keeping it real with Film Gordon. I'm Tim Gordon. I'm back. Man, last interview, man. I want to do a special shout-out and thanks to our inaugural uh, DC Filmmaker of the Month, Chinese Fox. Sister's doing some things, man. She's on the come-up. I always love to watch folks, man, early, rising in the career, man. You know, because I was there early, Charles, for... Um, Ryan Coogler, right? Early with Ava DuVernay because I'd known Ava for twenty years, man. So to watch all these careers, and Charlize had that feel about her. She had an Ava DuVernay feel about. She her. does so have she, an Ava I mean, DuVernay. She has. A, she she definitely have an Ava DuVernay vibe, vibe about to her. That's yes, what I'm. That's got what the I mean. vibe. Got the vibe. All right. So uh, coming up a little later on in our next segment, we're gonna be talking about films, and I've got several of them to review. But before we get there, man, let us talk about the big story that was burning up the airwaves yesterday out in Hollywood, and all. All the trades cover this was a story of Annapurna, uh, which is uh, <laughs> is run by Megan Ellison, founded by Megan Ellison, who is the daughter of Oracle founder and billionaire Larry Ellison. Right. African-American mm, man, right. African-American kids. Billionaire. Uh, his son. Actually, I didn't know this until yesterday. Runs Skydance. You ever seen Skydance? No, I, I didn't know. So that. that's an Ellison, okay. you know. So the whole family. But here's the deal, man. Let's talk a little bit about Annapurna, man. You know, you've ever seen, gone to the movies and seen that A. Um, I was telling the story before we went to break that um, I had I met uh, Megan Ellison at the Critics Choice Awards a couple of years ago when Manchester by the Sea, which was the film that they produced, right, right, uh, was nominated for Best Picture. And um, got a chance to have a quick conversation, meet her, and say what's up. Um, but I, at that point, Anna Perna, I wasn't really putting two and two together to see that this studio was really on the upswing. Mm-hmm. So as we talk about that, they've worked with everybody from Catherine Bigelow, because, you know, the Hurt Locker came, I mean, I'm sorry, Detroit, Detroit. came uh, through Anna Perna. Paul Thomas Anderson, David O. Russell. Now, I was telling you about their brother, David Ellison, is over at Skydance. He runs that. Um, now, Skydance is in good shape financially, but Annapurna is having some issues because in the last, this week alone, Charles, Annapurna put one film in the turnaround, which basically means that right before a film is about to get uh, produced by a studio, they decide they're going to cut bait and release it so that another studio can come right. and actually grab the, the, the rights, the production rights. So that happened this week. And then I think there was another film um, also that, that uh, oh, The Hustlers at Scores. They offloaded both these films this week. Um, wow, I don't know well, what the, just happened the One there. is the Fox News uh, movie that they were going to do. And yeah, they, and with, they um, that aside with Roger the, Ailes. Yeah, they right. got rid of that one. Yeah, so they said in short order this week, uh, the Jennifer Lopez drama, The Hustlers at Scores, which has been now acquired by STX, uh, and the drama about Fox News found a Roger Ailes sexual harassment scandal, which, of course, has a star-studded cast, which includes Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. Charlize Theron, Margot Robbie, and John Lithgow. They were two weeks away, Charles, from starting production before that film got dropped, and it is expected that Focus Features is going to pick it up with producing, uh, co-producing or financing from Bron Studios. Now, Bron is a studio every time I see these films and I see Brian, I'm always thinking, is that LeBron James' <laughs> studio? <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. But um, no, this is pretty interesting, man, because they're basically saying, man, that 
uh, Annapurna is left is is hemorrhaging money. And the issue is, is that, you know, like I said, the, the, the founder of Oracle and their father is worth 60 billion bucks. So right. anytime they have financial problems, they just, they just usually go, to, go dad. to dad and dad covers all these losses. But, you know, who knew? And they talked about the, the one of the films that really put him into a hurt locker. No, no pun intended for <laughs> Kathleen Bigelow. Was the film uh, The Sisters Brothers Are you familiar with this? Yeah Yeah They said this movie Cost 60 million dollars To make And I think it made Like 7 million dollars This opening weekend Man They are like Help I, and, and I've seen The Sisters Brothers And it's a good movie It's a good best. movie it's man. But isn't it a 60 million dollar movie But it's not a 60 movie? million dollar movie Where did all that money go? Yeah man So they're like Man That And, and, and trust me if there's nothing that will KO a studio more... No, I'm sorry. It was a $40 million movie. They said it grossed $757,000 to date. $40 million investment. Ooh. And it wasn't on Ooh. marketing. I'll, I'll say that right away. Ooh. Yeah, bro. So, um, you know, they're basically saying that uh, the father is stepping in right now, and he's hired some advisors uh, Megan is kind of like, you know, in the witness protection program right now as they try to figure out how to right the wrongs. Now, they're saying that the studio is not in danger of closing yet, but they want to really try to get the financial house in order, man. Mm. Well, um, I don't even know. Is Ellison still the is? I know they got got a she's, new president. She's a, well, she's a, she's the CEO of the company, and they also that's the other alarm that went off this week. I forget the sister the the, the woman's name who was there. Oh, Chelsea Bernard was fired earlier right. this week. So you've got that situation happening. You've got a couple of big budget films that have been put in the turnaround. Uh, you've got uh, the most recent film, The Sisters Brothers, which is uh, not as vastly underperforming. Underperform is not even a word. But you also are looking at the situation that this is the same studio that it has if Beale Street can talk, which, is which comes to... out later on this yeah, year. Yeah. And uh, what's the and second Vice. film? Vice. Vice is another one that's coming out later this year. Vice has a $60 million price tag on it. Jeez. It, boy, when it's you start, when you start making just... films, man, that have price tags that high... Uh, and, and that's a prestige film, by the way. That's yeah. not like that's a it's, film that's made for profitability, like a superhero film or just kind of a a, a big budget action film. This is no. a film that's a that's no. a huge ask to think that you're gonna get sixty million dollars. You'll be able to break even on a film like that. Well, I think I think ultimately that's the problem that Annapurna has been having is that they're having these these Oscar quality art house films that they're producing. And they're not bringing in any major money maker movies, you know, blockbusters that, that's going to really redeem the studio. So, I mean, it's like Disney. Disney can do uh, the Nutcracker Four Realms when they're going to have Star Wars that makes twenty twenty two million. million. Right, right, right. right. No, so. no, I got you. And I think I think what I'm from reading this. You're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. My issue is is that they want to make prestige films at Annapurna, right? But the problem is, is that you're making them for too much money. Right. So you've got it like, like for instance, Sisters Brothers, right? $40 million movie. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if, it, if you could have made that movie for, for half of that, if you could have made it for $25 million. Um, Vice is another good example. Vice has a huge star-studded cast, which includes Christian Bale, 
Amy Adams, Sam Rockwell, of course, is the story of Dick Cheney, right? Uh, becoming the the VP, Vice President. Yeah, yeah, and but sixty, woo, that's a that's a big price tag. <laughs> now the other thing is, is that they had a comedy called Guilty with Kevin Hart that was written on a script written by Gerard Carmichael from formerly from the Carmichael, the Carmichael Show. show yeah. They put the kibosh on that right now, so they that, that's on ice. Uh, budget concerns again, because you know Kevin Hart's in this movie, so Kevin Hart was probably asking for some some crazy money in order to do this. I mean, come on, what do you? But think? see, but you know what's interesting? I bet that movie would have made some money. It probably the Kevin have. Hart one would, would be profitable <laughs> in a way that I can't see for Sisters Brothers or Vice. No, no. Uh, the Barry Jenkins film is another prestige film. <laughs> So I don't know. There's no nobody has said what the uh, price tag for that film was, and they also have Destroyer with Nicole Kidman that's dropping on uh, December 25th, and they got a Richard Linklater film. Richard Linklater, of course, did Boyhood. Right. Uh, his his next film, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, is debuting next March. So there have been mutterings that production has been strained on that project, and those other two, the studio had no other films to make it into production. I mean, other than, you know, with Destroyer and if Bill Street can talk. So, um, also, check it out. They also have Creed 2. No, they don't. That's what it says here. It said, Annapurna is hoping that its distribution joint venture with MGM will help improve its financial picture. Its upcoming boxing sequel, Creed 2 star Michael B. Jordan, is expected to score when it comes out later this month. Okay. And Annapurna also has, believe it or not, Bond 25, the, the, the 007 sequel where they beat out uh, hmm. several major studios to grab domestic rights. Uh, the Bond film is coming out on uh, Valentine's Day 2020. So Annapurna That's is not... That's a long not, way away, though, still. It, it is a long... It's a lot Creed of, it's a might long, help. Creed might help, but, I mean, again, Well, Creed sounds like a co-production deal co- with yeah, MGM. I was going to say. But, but my point is to this whole story and why we're talking about it is you're talking about a company headed by uh, an African-American woman uh, who has been doing some amazing things, man. These guys have done a great job. But I think that one of the challenges of running a studio, and I wish I would have been a little more heads up because I have a friend that I was hanging out with in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago who was also a studio exec at another studio across town. But I would, I wish I could have her on if we, or could have had her on for this segment to kind of give the, the listeners at home kind of an overview of how all this stuff works right. and you always hear right. me make statements like ooh that's 60 million dollars that's hard to get back when you make prestige films or let me just explain it the simplest way I can there are two buckets for me that films live in right so there's prestige films films that happen around award season right you know think first man think if Beale Street can talk think uh, star is born think films like that Right? right, that are going to be contenders for major awards, right? And then think everything else, you know, uh, Black Panther, uh, <laughs> uh, Star Wars, Star Wars. Uh, I'm all just the, talking all about comic any, book movies, any, everything. Yeah, any other stuff. movie, right? Those movies are made not to, to contend, money. but those are made to be really commercial films, right. right? And it seems like from reading this, the story of what Annapurna's struggle is right now is that they're having a an issue of trying to figure out they want to work with top flight directors so we talked about David O. Russell and yeah, Barry Jenkins yeah. and some of these other guys but at the same time are you making prestige movies or are you making commercial movies because if you're making prestige movies you've got to figure out how to make these prestige movies at a cost that you know 
you don't want to you you're not going to probably make a lot of money making because prestige movies don't make money moonlight made 19 million dollars at the box office um la la land i don't know how much it made la la land didn't kill at the box office it wasn't like it, it was did, 100 it did million a lot dollars. better than, than yeah. <laughs> moonlight though but, but, yeah. but, but my point is is that you don't you're not going to get huge returns on prestige films prestige films are designed to get you to be a player during the award space you know right. we t- you know one of the movies we're going to review in the next segment is 22 july 22 july is in limited release right now it's not going to really make a lot of money but it will be a movie that will be in the conversation in the prestige space. True. So if you're a studio worth your salt, some studios try to balance it out where you want to have films that are, 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 you know, maybe 70% of your films are this, are commercial, and you want to have 30 that are prestige. You got some houses that don't have a lot of money, and they make strictly prestige films. Right. But here's the thing. When you're making prestige films, you can't right. have this big budget on them. Oh, you can't man. have yeah, a, you can't a be $40 making million, dollars, $60 million, $150 million dollar prestige film. No, no, that's not <laughs> going to work. You need to, you need to, $60 million You need to be able to film. talk to those actors and directors and let them know that, you know, we don't have the world to make this money, uh, make this movie. Yeah. So uh, something has to happen on both sides there. I mean, you can you can not make prestige movies and make commercial successful movies, or you can charge less on the right. prestige movies that you make. Well, right. I mean, so uh, the the industry is going to continue to watch, man. And as I said, uh, you've got Creed two, Beale Street can talk, The Destroyer, and several other films that are coming down the pike for Annapurna. So, um, but one thing is for sure, that sister's brother situation, boy, that had to hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Jessica, $40 million movie that has not made $1 million back yet. Not one. Yikes. So, can you imagine being an investor on that? Uh, nah. I bet people didn't even know that there was a movie called The Sister's Brothers because I, I think I've seen maybe one or two commercials for the Sisters Brothers and it probably was late at night when I've seen it. Right. And I don't think anyone's seen a trailer to even know that it came out. If it, if I wasn't in this field, I would not have known that there was such a movie because I've seen the, the trailers, I've seen the the screener for right. Sisters Brothers. But general public, come on. Oh, man, they don't so. know. All right, well, we're going to take a break right now. And as I said, Anna Perna will keep an eye toward this story and try to follow it up if we get some additional information. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side. It's going to be time to look at all the movies that are opening in theaters this weekend, including one that's on the streaming service. You guys keep it where you got it. You're listening to The Big Show, keeping it real with Film Gordon, and we'll be right back. And she came with the same type game, the type of girl giving out the fake cell phone the name. Big fame, big she fame. like catching big things. Jewel ship, money clip, phone flip the six range. And seen her on the half, spotted her more than once. So fat that you can see her from the front. She spot me like paparazzi. Shot me a glance in that cat woman stands with the fat booty pants. Hot damn. What's your name, love? Where you came from? Neck and wrist laced up. Very little makeup. The swims at the Reebok gym. Tone your frame up a shit. All right, and welcome back to the show. And of course, as always, this week's reviews are brought to you by thefilmgordon.com. Experience film through the eyes of a true film addict. That would be me. 
Check out all of our film content at thefilmgordon.com. Now, there's several new films opening in theaters and on streaming services this week. But before we begin, as always, cue the music. let's start with a trip back to the past and first up we're going back to 1969 for bad times at the El Royale stop delete that whole thing Jessica the movie's called Bad Times is it called El Royale? At the El Royale oh at the El Royale damn I was actually right All right, cool let me start all over again not all over from the top. I'm just going to go. There are several new films. Damn, I, was, I second guessed my own self. Damn. All right. There's several new films opening in theaters and on streaming services this week. But before we begin, cue the music. Let's start with a trip back to the past. And first up is Bad Times at the El Royale. And this film, of course, follows seven strangers who each are hiding dark secrets that come to a head on one night in a shady hotel. Written and directed by Drew Goddard, the film stars Jeff Bridges, Cynthia Erivo, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Kaylee Spanny, Lewis Pullman, Nick Offerman, and Chris Hemsworth. Now, um, in this clip from the film... um, yeah, I'm gonna have to edit that out, man, because I didn't write it. I didn't write anything down. So, let me just insert clip. Uh, let's just let me start here. <clears throat> this is why you don't time it. Here is a clip from the film. All right, circa 1969, and a group of strangers descend on a once popular yet desolate El Royale hotel, which sits literally on the dividing line between Nevada and California. Now, slowly, we're introduced to one mysterious character after another, each carrying their own personal baggage, which has drawn them to this isolated outpost. Now, they include an appliance salesman, a singer, a priest, and a hardened woman who just wants to be left alone. Sounds like a joke, but it's really not here in this film. Now, as the backstory of each peel away and their true motives come to into focus, we discover that not only is everyone wearing a mask, but their motives most certainly will conflict with each other's. Now, this Tarantino-esque story, Think the Hateful Eight, was written and directed by Goddard. And while there's certain stories of Tarantino that I've been critical of in the past, make no mistake about it that watching Goddard navigate similar territory makes me appreciate Tarantino even more and presents a picture of just how difficult it is to harness and execute such an extensive story with all of its moving parts. Now, Goddard's screenplay is complex and ambitious, and despite some entertaining set pieces, which I won't disclose without ruining the audience experience, it was not a mystery where the story was going, but it felt like it took forever to get there. Now, in films such as Pulp Fiction and the aforementioned Hateful Eight, Tarantino was able to artfully move each of these stories along with creative dialogue, wonderful production, design, and a story that kept you on the edge of your seat. Now, Goddard has a talented cast, but extends the story 
that conclusions falls short of the story's initial setup. Now, Rebo, who will co-star in the upcoming heist drama, Widows, is the film's true revelation. Blessed with the voice of an angel and acting skills to match, she holds her own with veteran Oscar winner Bridges in the most engaging pairing in the film. Dakota Johnson, who will soon be in the psychological thriller Suspiria, feels wasted in what is akin to a throwaway role. As previously stated, the film is entertaining, but severely long-winded. I've said it before, less is more, and that absolutely applies to audiences' time at the El Royale. Gave this movie a C plus. Man, way too long, bro. I was kept, I, if I got to keep looking at my watch multiple times, your movie long. All right? So that's my review of the El Royale. Up next is a film that debuted earlier this week on Netflix. Uh, and that film, of course, is 22 July, which focuses on the 2011 Norway attacks in the aftermath of it based on One of Us by Asne Seristad. Written, directed, and co-produced by Paul Greengrass, the film features a Norwegian cast and crew. Let's listen to a clip from 22 July. Now, 10 years after the attacks of 9-11, another homegrown terrorist, Anders Bering Breivik, unleashes dual attacks on both the government facilities and unarmed teenagers at a Norwegian summer camp, killing over 70 people and injuring over 200 others. Now, this film follows the journey of several people, including the disillusioned killer, one of his victims, and a local lawyer, Geir Lippestad, who defends the terrorist despite his disdain and disgust at the atrocities that he committed. Now, spewing his ideology that his goal is erasing Islam from Europe, Breviak demands his day in court to defend himself while pushing forth his hateful manifesto. Now, much to the disappointment of Norwegian's prime minister, who immediately begins the process of securing the country from future attacks in the long term and allaying the fears of his countrymen during these turbulent times. Now, Greengrass, who previously tackled this subject matter from the American side in United 93, expertly examines and dissects the various sides of the issue with empathy and humanity despite the enormous loss of life much of it visibly displayed on screen. Now, former CIA and NSA director Michael Hayden gave an excellent comparison between the 22 July and 9-11 attacks when he stated, the Norwegian people could fall back on their culture and tradition to get them through, while the United States was designed more as a concept, which helped Norway transition much smoother as a country than their U.S. counterparts. Now, this film is equal parts powerful, emotional, powerful and inspirational, but it's not perfect, but nevertheless, a strong outing for Netflix and for Greengrass. Once again, Greengrass has found a film that is right in his sweet spot and delivers another memorable tale. I gave 22 July a B. I really like this movie, man. Um, It's just hard to watch, man, because you got the scene where. You know, the, the, the terrorist is literally got a, 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 a pack of guns on him, and he's just running around like hunting as if just shooting people down. And they, the way they film it, it's like, wow. So really powerful in your face, man. 22 July. Check it out. It's on Netflix right now. Which brings us to our final film, 
And of course, that is First Man. And of course, this film follows the years leading up to the Apollo 11 mission to the moon in 1969. It is directed by Damien Chazelle, who many of you probably remember from La La Land, uh, Whiplash, written by Josh Singer, based on the book First Man, The Life of Neil A. Armstrong by James R. Hansen. This film stars Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, alongside Claire Foy, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, Corey Stahl, Syrian Hines, Christopher Abbott, Patrick Fugit, and Lucas Haas. Now, here's a clip from the first man. When President John F. Kennedy challenged the U.S. space program to put a man on the moon before the end of the 1960s, it set off a passionate scramble between the U.S. and the Soviets to achieve this goal. Among the group of space pioneers that set off to achieve this mission is the one who would later be the first to put his footprints on the moon, Neil Armstrong, played by Ryan Gosling. Uh, in the film, Armstrong is very smart and stoic uh, and a man who has endured his share of pain and heartache, which includes the loss of his baby daughter and scores of colleagues that sacrificed their lives to achieve this monumental feat. Now, Armstrong and his wife, played by Claire Foy, regroup and raise two additional boys that Armstrong has trouble connecting with. Perhaps the wounds of his daughter were still raw, or maybe it was the uncertainty of, his, of the mission, which could end his life any day, which may have contributed to his mysterious persona. Now, director Chazelle, whose follow-up to Beck's picture nominee, La La Land, displays his versatility in storytelling attention to detail. Now, according to reports, the film boasts no CGI, but just massive sets, that were constructed to mimic the surface of the moon as well as creative shots that give the audience an idea of Armstrong's claustrophobic perspective as he carries out this historic mission. Now, in my estimation, unlike both The Right Stuff and Apollo 13, First Man envelops the audience in the spirited optimism that permeated the 1960s. Technically and visually stunning, First Man is a studious examination of the person who under normal circumstances operates best in the background, but his enormous contributions and sacrifice were truly one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. Uh, this film is definitely going to be a film that's nominated for Best Picture this year unless something catastrophic happens and we find nine additional films better than this. Don't think that's going to happen. I gave this film a B+. Plus. Uh, not as good as uh, a, star is, a Star is Born, but I think it's awfully good. And I think it also helps watching it in uh, IMAX because it is an amazing movie, man, on a super huge screen. All right. Well, that's it for us this week. And on behalf of our producer, Jessica Sturgis, and associate producer, Charles Kirkland, as we say in closing, please see something good at the movies. We've given you several options. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you on the other side. Peace.
something new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me And we know all your expectations I don't even want your congratulations I recognize your false confidence and calculated promises All in your conversation I hate people that feel entitled Look at me crazy cause I ain't invite you Oh you important, you the moral to the story You endorsing what the